want you to know you're loved this morning. You're in a house where uh, we love each other. We've come to love God, and you are loved. Let's, let's take a moment. Before we open God's Word, let's just love each other for a moment. Would you just stand and greet each other and let, uh, let your neighbor know that you're glad to see them, and let's reflect the image of Christ today. So glad to see you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, that's enough loving. That's enough loving now. <laughs> okay, enough loving. Enough loving. Sit down. How many of you were praying for the Browns while Tim was praying this morning? Uh, anybody? Okay, okay. Lots going on. Good to see you this morning. Glad to be here. Glad to be together. Let me uh, just uh, reiterate what Tom was saying again. I just rejoice at what God is doing in our, in our congregation, in our church, uh, with all the things that are coming together and the timing and all. While it seems a little slow, we, we've come so very, very far and uh, we are making good progress. In a couple more weeks, we should be in the sanctuary. So if you're new with us this morning, excuse our dust. We're making uh, this mess for a good reason and we'll be in there. I think it's going to be really, really fabulous and wonderful. But we do need your help. And I, I got word from Dave Millen yesterday. It looks like next Saturday, next Saturday morning at nine o'clock, we are going to have a landscaping party. Some of you signed up for our landscaping team. Some of you may just uh, want to join us, but we have a, a, a big project outside, of course, where we're gonna be doing some planting and, and digging and mulching and those kinds of things. Nine o'clock to about 11.30. We need to be done about 11.30. Buckeyes play at noon. So, so we will be really careful about that, or at least the pastor will be gone by that time. Uh, but uh, if you'd like to join us, please come out. It'll be uh, some fun. Hopefully the weather will be good, uh, and we'll continue to, to make headway on, on our major project here. But again, thank you. I'm going to invite you to turn with me as we again return to this series, A Hard Day at Work. I want to look at Matthew 14. We're kind of going to camp here for a, a, a few weeks as we just look at different elements of this day in Jesus's ministry. We're looking at Matthew 14, and I want to just return to some verses that we looked at last week, and I'm going to jump right into the heart of what we were talking about as Jesus has just received some bad news, and this is what we're told. So Matthew 14, I should say, and we're going to start with verse 13. So can I invite you to stand as we receive and reflect on this word of God for us today? Listen to these words from Matthew. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. May God and his blessing to his word. Please be seated. Well, in Matthew 14, we see Jesus doing, uh, during one of his most difficult days of ministry, he has been teaching for hours when he suddenly gets news that his cousin and friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded by Herod. Jesus, of course, then is grieved by this news, by, by his good friend's death. He's probably angered by Herod's action. So Jesus makes a decision to get away 
for a while. He was emotionally spent. He was physically tired. He just needed to get away from the crowd. So he got into a boat and he went privately to a solitary place. You know, a hard day's work can often be made harder by being interrupted. We all experience interruptions. And if you're like me, they tend to irritate me. The internet goes down or power suddenly goes off. A key employee calls in sick. There's a, false, or there's, a, there's a change order made at the last minute. An unexpected visitor drops in. You're in a hurry to get to a business meeting, but your travel is interrupted by, by, by uh, traffic on I-480. Or you get a call from home and there's a family crisis that needs your attention. Now the truth is some interruptions are major and they change our lives. Others are more minor and just an inconvenience. Some are because circumstances change. Some are from people themselves. If you're a stay-at-home parent, your life is kind of one interruption after another. Kids fall down and get hurt. Appliances malfunction. You plan to get the kids down for a nap at a certain hour so you can have some quiet time, but you know that that rarely works out. The Bible says this, you don't know what a day will bring forth. And boy, is that true. Interruptions are a daily reality. But how we handle those interruptions, that could go a long way to demonstrating our joy and our witness in Christ Jesus. So we see Jesus here, and he wants to get away. But if you read on here, you begin to see that it was not to be. The crowds interrupted Jesus' retreat. They scurried around the lake. They watched to see where he was headed. And by the time he gets on the other shore, they're waiting for him. When Jesus landed, he saw the large crowds. When I read this story, I can't help but think of one of my favorite movies. And our family used to watch this quite often. It's What About Bob? Have you seen that movie? It's one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, the psychiatrist, Dr. Leo Marvin, is played by Richard Dreyfus, and he's been really looking forward to getting away and spending some time at his vacation home. He goes out to his place on the lake. He's looking forward to just being with his family. To his horror, however, he's interrupted by Bob Wiley, an extremely needy patient played by Bill Murray. Bob Wiley travels for miles, pitifully arrives in the vacation town, and finds Dr. Marvin. He asks, is this a bad time? Bob just doesn't get it, and it's just one hilarious thing after another. He just cannot stop, and it ruins Dr. Martin's vacation, threatens his relationship with his family. And, and the truth is, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but when we used to watch that movie, we'd identify certain people in the church who might remind us of Bob. <laughs> Nobody here, of course, today, but we think about that. It was inevitable. Jesus was looking for privacy, but he encounters this crowd. The, the people lined up on the shore waiting for him. We're here. Is this a bad time? But notice Jesus didn't resent the intrusion. In fact, look at his reaction. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, the scripture says that he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus had this knack for, for turning interruptions into positive opportunities for ministry and healing. 
Instead of blowing a stack and getting upset, instead of sulking and just turning around, he used this interruption as an opportunity for them to experience God. In fact, if you read on, this is the setting in which Jesus feeds the 5,000, one of the most uh, important of his miracles. You know, if you study the ministry of Jesus, you find that he did that a lot. He'd often turn interruptions into positive ministry opportunity. Remember when he was quietly enjoying a wedding celebration when his mother interrupted him? They've run out of wine. You can help, she said. My time has not yet come, Jesus responded. She said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus responded by turning gallons of water into wine. In fact, his ministry began with that miracle at the wedding. And by the way, his ministry will end at a wedding. Another time, he was exhausted, sleeping in a boat as the group sailed across the Sea of Galilee. His disciples, however, interrupt his nap. Teacher, we're in a storm. We need you to do something. Don't you care that we are drowning? He got up and he calmed the storm, and the disciples were astonished at his power. Jesus was once preparing to teach a, a large crowd where Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at his feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12 years old, was dying. Jesus responded to the interruption. He left the large crowd and he went to save Jairus' daughter. The Bible says, however, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Then a woman who had a blood disease pushes through the crowd until she got so close to Jesus that she could reach out and touch him. She thought, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, then I would be healed. She did, and immediately she felt this rush of power through her body, and she was made well. But Jesus suddenly stops and says, who touched me? This is an interruption of the interruption, if you think about it. And the disciples said, many people have touched you. What are you talking about here, Lord? Why do you ask who touched you? We need to keep going. The little girl is dying. Jesus said, I felt healing power leave my body. Who touched me for healing? And that, that the woman steps forward and explains her experience. And Jesus ministers to her. Just then, word came that the little girl had died. But Jesus turned that interruption into an opportunity and says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. So he proceeds to Jairus' home. He bypasses the mourners. He goes into the room with the little girl's lifeless body now laid out, and he takes her limp hand, and he says, little lamb, get up. And guess what? She does. And Jesus says, give her something to eat. The Bible says that all the people were astonished at his power. Ken Blanchard said this, if it were for interruptions, Jesus wouldn't have had a ministry. And if you look at the Gospels, you see that there were very few appointments made. There were just those times when, when Jesus and the power of God would break in and break through. So this morning, I would like to share with you some thoughts about interruptions in our life, and, and, and lives and share with you some, some suggestions about how we can learn to handle interruptions through the character and image of Jesus. 
Now, first I'd say this then. It is a wise thing, my friends, to plan margin in our lives. It's good to plan for free time when you can rest. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we don't have time for interruptions is that our lives are so jam-packed with activity, we have no energy left over for anyone or anything additional. We, we can't think of helping another person because our schedules are so full. I believe it's good and healthy to live a life of margin, a plan where we're going to do nothing. We all need time when we can be emotionally and spiritually rejuvenated. Now, we talked a little bit about that last week, but remember Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. We need margin in our lives, white space. That's why from the beginning, God said, you will work for six days, and then you'll take a day of rest. That's why when you look at the history of his people, he gave them six different special feasts during the year when the Jewish people would take a break. Two of those feasts lasted an entire week long. You know, sometimes people will ask me, Jeff, how in the world can you be at the same church for 24 years? And I got to tell you, the answer is pretty simple. I love this place. I love you. I genuinely love the people here. But one of the reasons that I think I've been here for so long is because you have been so generous to me in giving me time off. About every other year, as some of you know, I take a, a, a month-long sabbatical just to get away. You let me study, enjoy my family, experience other ministries and churches. On top of that, I get four or five weeks of vacation every year. When I was studying for my doctorate, the church gave me the time I needed for school and writing. And now I realize for many of you, well, you know, taking that time off of work is not something I can do. In your line of work, people who take a month off, that isn't called a sabbatical. That's called being unemployed. I get that. But you use you have vacation time, and I think it's important that you use it. Enjoy the weekend. Take time off. It's okay to rest. Recharge your batteries physically, emotionally, and yes, spiritually. Sometimes a quick charge is really all you need. It's, it's okay to close your door. It's okay. I'm not going to answer the phone. It's okay not to entertain visitors from time to time. If you're a stay-at-home parent... It's a good idea to sometimes just hire a babysitter and plan an afternoon nap. One mother who had just given birth to her third child wrote a thank you note to her friends. She said, many thanks for the playpen. It's being used every day from 2 to 3 p.m. I get it to read and the children can't come near me. <laughs> now there's a second lesson too that I've thought about. And I think we get this from Jesus. Determine the nature of the interruption. You notice that when Jesus saw these crowds, he had compassion on them. In Matthew, we read this. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So he ministers to them. You know, it's important to note that Jesus didn't respond eagerly to every interruption. 
You remember one day Jesus received word from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was dying. He was sick. Could Jesus come right now? John 11.6 says, Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He didn't respond immediately. And by the time he made it to Lazarus' home in Bethany, he'd been dead for four days. And I'm telling you, the sisters had a difficult time understanding that. In Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 35, we read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Now notice Jesus' response. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see, Jesus knew what God was calling him to do, and that trumped everything. Now, it's important to note then that not every interruption is God's call on your life. Did you hear me? Not every interruption is necessarily God's call on your life. Some people will try to call me during an Ohio State game, for instance. <laughs> Don't expect me to answer. The general rule is, and this might be helpful if you are new to our congregation, the general rule is, if Ohio State is playing, you can only call me if you are dying. And if you are dying, you're probably not using the phone, so it's probably not going to happen. Not every interruption is God's call on your life. Nehemiah was sent a letter from, from critics who, who tried to interrupt his building of the wall of Jerusalem. They wanted him to stop, and they said, well, come down, and, and we'll talk about this at a conference. And Nehemiah responded this way. He says, I'm doing a great work, and I will not come down. Andy Stanley wrote a book called Choose to Cheat. His premise is, is that you can't say yes to everyone, so don't cheat the people and things that are most important. You have to discern if an interruption is an opportunity for you to serve God or an attempt by the adversary to sidetrack you from your primary mission and purpose. On Friday, I was working, of course, on my message this morning, and uh, I hit points during the day when I just will take a break just to walk around the, the building here and kind of check in on the progress that is going on. Well, I was out and about, and I walked through this door right over here when I saw Tom O'Brien and his lovely wife Sandra there sitting in the chairs right here in front. I was kind of surprised to see them. I didn't know that they were coming in and of course, I asked if there was anything that I could do for them. I said, no, no, we, we just came in. We didn't want to bother anyone, but we came in because we needed to pray. Tom, as some of you know, has had over seven surgeries related to a brain tumor in the last few months, and it's been a difficult, of course, season for them. He was headed out on Friday yet for another surgery involving a skin graft. He just wanted to come here to pray. He didn't want to bother any of us on staff. Now, 
I had a sermon to prepare, but I knew in that moment, instead of worrying about that, I knew that it was God's will for me to sit and to talk and to listen and to pray for my friend. Tom said, and I don't know if he's here this morning, he said, I'll be there on Sunday, Pastor, and if he can possibly be, I know he will be. I'm so grateful for the, the way I see faith taking hold of him in his life right now. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Be very careful then how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. God, give us the ability to sense your will with every interruption. And that brings me to another lesson. Be totally focused where you are. You know, one of the greatest gifts you can give to another person is your attention. And if you're going to be with them, be with them. I, I am always pointing this out to my kids. Put the cell phone down when we're having dinner. And they're always pointing out to me, Dad, put the cell phone down. It goes both ways. But Jesus had this way of, of giving his undivided attention to the people he was with, even if they interrupted him, even if there were other demands. You think back to that, when the woman touched the hem of his garment to be healed, Jesus could have kept going, but he stops. And he waits until this timid woman steps out of the crowd and says, it was me. He wanted her to be known. He wanted her story to intersect with his story. He wanted it to be more than just healing. He wanted it to be an encounter with God. And every time we give someone our attention, it is two people who have the image of God encountering one another. It's a holy moment. I have a bad habit sometimes. At the end of the service, for instance, I'll stand at the door to try to greet people as they're leaving. Every once in a while, someone will stop and, and want to talk about something a little more significant, and it would take a little more time. Very often, I find myself half listening while others are going by. I'm kind of looking and, and nodding my head and then shaking hands on the way out, trying to do two things or three things at once. A few years ago, one lady said to me in a similar circumstance, will you look at me when I'm talking to you? <laughs> it got my attention. And she was right. If I can't give her my attention, I should tell her to call me back during the week when we can really talk about this. Jim Elliott made this observation. I think it's smart. Wherever you are, be fully there. It's a gift we give to each other. And finally, I guess one of the things we learned from this passage, and I, I thought about this this week, we should take advantage of the interruptions. 
We should try to see the interruptions in our lives as opportunities that may be greater than the event we had scheduled. You know, the truth is God rarely sets up an appointment with us when he intends to do something in our lives. Do you think Moses had an appointment with a burning bush? Or was it an interruption? An angel visits Mary to tell her that she would be the mother of the Son of God. Do you think he called ahead and asked, is it a good time? When Paul was traveling on the road to Damascus, do you think he made a reservation with Ananias because he knew he was going to meet Jesus on the road? Listen, you look at the scriptures and time and time again, you will see that God has no problem interrupting our lives. And he does it in surprising ways. And by the way, at some point in history, he is going to interrupt the world's plans and the world's politics and the world's preoccupations with the sound of a trumpet and the cry of an archangel and the clouds will part and Jesus Christ will return. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. We just know a divine appointment has been made for a divine interruption of all things. And we're asked this question, are you ready to be interrupted? Because we will be one day. But there are smaller ways God interrupts our lives. There are other ways that God chooses. It's often through one of his children. Someone needs you. Someone needs you to listen. Someone needs you to help. Someone needs your encouragement. Someone needs a meal. Someone needs some support. Maybe, maybe God wants to interrupt your life and send you to the mission field. Or interrupt your life and call you to teach a Sunday school class. Or go to witness to a neighbor. It's an inconvenience. It's an interruption. It might even be costly. But here's the thing about interruptions, and here's the thing, and I want you to take this home with you. The test of character, it's always a pop quiz. We never know when that moment is going to come, when our character is going to be tested. It's always out of the, out of the blue. The key is now to surrender ourselves to that spirit, to the spirit of God, to the spirit of Jesus. So when that moment comes that would normally irritate us, instead that spirit rises up within us and we begin to reflect the image and character of Jesus Christ. And so we determine right now, what am I going to do then? Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to trust that you're going to help me. I'm going to be different because you live within me. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. My simple prayer of this morning is this. Lord, help me to live as you did, even if that means being interrupted. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, interrupt our plans with those things that are so much greater than we can imagine. 
I pray right now, Lord, we have those what about Bobs in our lives. May we see those people through the eyes of Christ. May you give us a merciful and compassionate spirit. And may we, Lord, begin to learn that the rhythms of interruptions are often signs from you where we are being challenged to grow in our character, where we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. But Spirit, abide in us and help us to abide in your presence that day by day, moment by moment, we might reflect your image that we might be compassionate, that we might be people of healing and grace toward one another. Lord, right now, maybe even in this moment, you'd like to interrupt our plans. We've just come in to have a, a nice church service. But instead, Lord, you're calling someone to yourself. Someone here maybe doesn't know you. They don't know you as their savior. They're not ready for that interruption to come. They're not ready to meet you on the other side. But Lord, today you're calling to them. Lord, I pray that they would have the wisdom to say yes to the gift of your salvation through Christ. That they would say yes to Jesus as their savior. That you would forgive them their sins and you would fill them up with the Holy Spirit. And for Father, for those who who believe in you and trust in you, I pray that, Lord, we would be renewed in our calling to walk as Jesus walked, to be wise in these uncertain days. And even when we're interrupted, Lord, our reactions would point others to say, man, is he like Jesus. Boy, does, does she reflect the character of God. Lord, tune our hearts toward you and have your way. Make us your servants, we pray. In Jesus' name.